Please take God's word and turn with me to our scripture reading this morning, which is taken from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. <clears throat> Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable adultery. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Living for God. That's what I titled today's sermon. It was very original. That's what the headline said just above my verse, chapter 4 in Peter. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation. And they heap abuse on you, but they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this, is, for this reason, the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to, to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and be self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administrating God's grace in his various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised 
through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Peter starts with a declaration of Jesus' suffering and the flesh on the cross. We cannot assume that this is his only suffering. Matthew 26, 36-45 records that Jesus' mental and emotional anguish in the Garden of Gethsemane when he confessed to his disciples Peter, James, and John, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. So his emotional state was beyond normal mental stress, and it affected his body as well. He prayed so earnestly that droplets of blood dropped from his forehead. But it's not only a matter of physical abuse or torture. Peter is reporting on the most gruesome suffering that was invented and perfected by the Romans who merely uh, wanted to, didn't merely want to eliminate a person by physical death, but to torture as an example for all to witness the torment of crucifixion. It was meant to kill the body, but also to intimidate all who witnessed it. So whether it was emotional or physical bodily suffering, it was meant to control the attitudes and behaviors of the oppressed subjects of the Roman regime. This is the greeting that Peter sent with this letter. To those who are elect, elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, and according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling of his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. But who gives us this grace and peace? Is it not God? But what if our society is working hard to get God out of the picture altogether. As a kid, I was a TV junkie. One of the earliest puns I remember was, why do television announcers always have small hands? They tell us, always at the start of their announcements, with, we pause for station identification. Pause, we get it. So we pause for a message from my past to illustrate this. Man, woman, earth, death, infinity. This uh, old video, and it isn't just on the TV. It's also in our education and in our books and in our public thinking all the time. The tree of life is not rooted in God. It's rooted in thin air. Pictured here is the tree of life. Comes out of a very strong persistence in the educational field of this book that I had when I was in college, Population, Species, and Evolution, an abridged Animal Species and Evolution by Ernst Meyer. You'll never hear a word about God in there. They don't let God into the picture in any sense of the word. So, then how are we to live? In a world 
in the world, but not of the world. Peter says, since therefore Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself also with the same attitude. Hold it right there. Let's look at attitude before we can continue. Apparently, Peter thought attitude had a profound effect on life. It's not just attitude, it's also thinking. Some translations say, arm yourselves with the attitude, the same attitude, and others say, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. There is a connection that is inseparable when we investigate how we think and how we feel. It is thinking that triggers how we feel. Of course, we can also switch that around and say how we feel will affect how we think. Mommy says, Susie, you have to clean your room now. Susie says, Mommy, when you say have to, it makes me feel won't all over. There's an old saying, convince a person against his will and he will be of the opinion still. The only one who can convince you is you. All that is attitude governed by thinking, or thinking governed by attitude. The only way our attitude can change is if you submit to someone you respect and honor more than yourself. The best antidote for a bad attitude is prescribed by Paul in Philippians 2.5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being found in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." Reading this frequently and memorizing it will lead you to honor Christ more than yourself. It's a, it's a verse that I have, it's a group of verses that I have memorized and can usually get out of my throat very easily and quickly and trippingly. It just, it just flows with me. I've, I've lived with it so long. I may not have been totally at ease with it this morning, but... Um, Trust me, uh, I, I do. I, I know that verse, and it is, it is it's just a wonderful verse to commit to memory. Reading this frequently will give you an attitude that you can live with and be acceptable to the one who you need to please most, Jesus Christ our Lord and his Heavenly Father. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with this same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. This is not the same as suffering a flu or an infection. We have all spent nights with the flu, thinking we weren't going to make it through the night. Fever, nausea, and aches all over. This was different for Christ. He knew in the Garden of Gethsemane what the end would be before it even started. His disciples abandoned him in sleepy bewilderment. Jesus' response to Peter was heard by all in the garden as they came to arrest him. Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup my father has given me? It was worded as a question to Peter, but really it was a command to him and us and all who follow him. 
Peter wanted to take up arms, but Jesus wanted to have an unshakable obedience to him, the same way that he has an unshakable trust as exhibited in his obedience to his heavenly Father. Whatever came his way, Jesus was forewarned by his Father and did not run from it, but accepted it and marched forward towards it. As terrible as it was, he obeyed. Because in the end, it unites him back from whence he came, from his heavenly Father. Guess what? In spite of what all the evolutionists say, that's where we all came from. So how do we use this as our marching orders? Christ went to the cross. The proof of our acceptance of his sacrifice is what Peter is prescribing. One who accepts Christ's atonement for his sins must acknowledge that we have sinned and are sinners by birth. We must recognize that in Christ we cannot continue living a life of evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Don't do what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing in detestable idolatry. Put simply, by today's standards, don't emulate most of what you see on TV or the movies. Those activities are over if you are in Christ Jesus. But don't expect some of your old friends to welcome you warmly. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. The next part of our text gets a little fuzzy or maybe downright hairy. There are two explanations for chapter 4, verse 6. First, um, from the 1915 Reformation Study Bible. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, that through judge, though judged in the flesh the way people are, they may live in the spirit the way God does. That was a long time ago. That was a Bible that, my, that, my, that I have of my grandfather's. But in the NIV version, 1 Peter 4, 6 says, For this reason the gospel was, che- was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged and according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in the spirit. There's not any, virtually no difference um, between all those passing years. The truth is the truth. The Bible stays the same. I will attempt to explain the Reformation Bible first. This is from the Matthew 20 account of the parable. Jesus tells of the workers in the vineyard, but he answers one of them, Friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man, if I want to give the man who is hired last the same as I gave you, don't I have the right to do that? I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? That remind you that the parable of the workers in the vineyard begins like this. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went in early in the morning. And it ends with verse 16. So the last will be first and the first will be last. Those words need to stick with us in our minds as we live out our lives and putting ourselves in the right position. Now back to 1 Peter NIV. In the footnote there, a clarification of verse 6 
says, here Peter says, for this reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead at the time of Peter's writing. This means, when I first read that, it sounded like, oh, there's a second chance. But let your, what you know about the gospel and what the truth of Jesus Christ always modify the way you think and read things. So what he's really saying is at one time he preached and this person heard that. Now that person is dead, but the message is still with him. So, so such people are among the dead mentioned in verse 5. In their case, they will be judged but, the, but the, they live in the spirit. Such living continues spiritually at death and a physical resurrection body at the very end of the age, made alive again in the spirit, with reference to Christ refers to his resurrection and believers' identity with Christ's resurrection by faith alone. Likewise, live in the spirit. God is the judge of the living and the dead because he can see it all beginning to end. People may look at someone who has heard the message while alive and responded to God's call before death, but no one else but he and God know of the man's decision for Christ. Like the parable of the workers in the vineyard, God's prerogative is to accept someone whether others know of it or not. Thus, man may judge people differently than God because they don't see the whole picture. The end of things are near, including my sermon, you hope. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Prayer may not come easy. That's okay. Work at it. Perfect it. Perfect your intimacy with God, and God will perfect you, at least as far as he is able. And he is able. There is no limits on God. You may not think yourself perfect, and you won't be perfect. No one is. But you will notice a difference in your life. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love does not cleanse you from sins. It doesn't wash away your sins. But like a scratch in your favorite record, you won't notice it in another person if there's love between you and, and them. Offer hospitality to one another with joyous countenance. Whatever gifts and abilities and talents you may have, use them to serve others at every opportunity as all members of the body of Christ. Work to build each other up in hard times. If anyone speaks, they should speak with words of wisdom and encouragement as one would find in God's word, the Bible. Whoever serves, do it with energy and enthusiasm, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Do this so in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. We all know that we have suffered in minor ways in comparison to others that we see. And sometimes we suffer severely. But take joy and heart in knowing that Christ suffered even more and that to go through a suffering is um, it may only be the beginning and it may be uh, short it may be long 
we have no way of knowing. But we can witness in Christ much greater suffering than we will ever have to, to, to uh, partake of. So we ask that your blessing be on us, Lord, as we uh, leave this scripture that we've been looking at, carry it forth in our understanding and in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Join in together praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be my name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.